morning, everybody. Let's all stand together. a greater glimpse of a never-changing God. All right, sing this. Say, all we want, all we need is found in you, found in you, Jesus, every victory. Yeah, it's found in you, found in you. Open wide our hearts now to yours. Every fear bow down to your love that we would see like never before. Give us a greater glimpse of a never changing God. Found in, found in you, Jesus. Found in you, yeah. Found in you, oh. Oh, I tried this right here. In your presence, there is freedom. And in your presence, we are made whole. Come on. And in your presence, there is freedom. In your presence, God. And in your presence, we are made whole. Till all we want and all we need is found in you, found in you. Say it, Jesus, 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 found in you, found in you. Come on, found in you. Say all we want and all is found in you, found in you, Jesus, found in you.
see the battle you see my victory oh yeah when all i see is a mountain you see a mountain move and as i walk through the shadow your love surrounds me oh yeah There's nothing to fear for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, yeah, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Hey. Second verse, come on. And if you are falling, who can be against me? Oh yeah. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. You see the beauty. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. I don't see the hands. The battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle, every battle, yeah. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Yeah. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our The battle belongs to you, and every fear lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, 
the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Amen, amen. The battle belongs to our God. The battle belongs to our God. Listen, uh, it's so wonderful to sing those words when we're in these four walls, right? Amen. And then we step outside and the enemy tests us. He tests whether we believe that or not. Uh, by the way, our kids, God bless our kids as they head out. Middle schoolers, stay put. Imagine you have glue to your chairs. All right, but the kids can head out. Kids can head out. God bless you guys as you go. Learn something. So listen, I'm going to take two minutes and tell you real quick. The enemy tests whether you believe that the battle belongs to God. I'm so serious about this. It happened to me just yesterday. I'm pulling into a parking space, and an older lady is pulling out of, the, of a parking space next to mine. And she got confused. She got mad at me and rained down curses on me. Just, uh, I mean, she just cussed me out. Cussed me out. And, and, and I'm sitting there. I, I put my window back up. I'm like, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Je- Je- Jesus, take, Jesus, take the wheel. Take the wheel. Because, you know, because I could feel the anger rising up in me as I'm thinking, I could show her that I know some cuss words too. (laughs) Um, But that moment, I had to make a decision. What kind of believer am I going to be? Am I going to put into practice what I know and what I sing in here or not? Please don't hear me say I'm perfect. Hear me say I struggle just like you do to put into practice what we learn. Amen? The battle belongs to our God and behave like it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's remain standing. Let's read this prayer together. It's a Lenten prayer. Um, Follow along where it says congregation and all. Please read along. It's a prayer. Um, I invite you to be in an attitude of prayer as we read this together. Dear God, in the season of Lent, in this season of Lent, we're reminded of our own difficulties and struggles. Sometimes the way has seemed too dark. Sometimes we feel like our lives have been marked by such grief and pain. We don't see how circumstances can even ever change. Allow your power to manifest through our own weakness so that others will recognize it is you who is at work on our behalf. We ask that you would trade the ashes of our lives for the beauty of your presence. Trade our mourning and grief for the loyal joy and gladness from your spirit. Trade our despair for hope and grace. We choose you. Thank you that you are with us in whatever we face and that you are greater than our trials. We know and recognize that you 
are sovereign. We thank you for the victory that is ours because of Christ Jesus. And we are confident that you have good still in store for our future. We thank you that you are at work right now, trading our ashes for greater beauty. We praise you for you make all things new. In the ever strong name of Jesus our Lord.
Burma Army Air Strikes hit this hit village, this village here. Shell just came in, came in right behind us. And then many of them have followed the way we with many of them, women, women, and children. children. Good morning. I'm Ron Tosto. And um, Ron, Sarah Ago, and I just came back from Thailand a few weeks ago and wanted to share with you a little bit about our trip. I also wanted to start off saying thank you to the Army of Prayer Warriors who we know were praying for us the entire time. We are so grateful for the spiritual covering. The last time Jemma and I were up here, we were sharing way before the pandemic, and we were wearing some of the traditional Burmese clothes, as you see. Recently, one of the Hillside children saw me and said, you're the man that wore a dress in church. <laughs> Clothing aside, uh, I also want to thank you for the prayer during the trip. We knew we were never alone. And a quick reminder for long-term um, Hillside members and introduction, perhaps, for new ones that Hillside and individuals from this church support two organizations in Southeast Asia. A quick, sorry, an organization in Thailand is GROW. FA operates the facility in Northern Thailand and many of you have a personal relationship with her. The second organization is in Burma and Hillside provided exclusive support for the safe house for many years. Members of Hillside started a new organization called SEARCH, and really the goal is to expand our support for the safe house. Now, to learn more about GROW or SEARCH, visit their websites or contact their executive directors in the U.S. So, why Southeast Asia? Why did we go to Thailand instead of Burma? And the situation, as you saw in the video, is getting worse in Burma. While we were in Thailand, Burma cut off internet and electricity in their country. Um, on the Thai side, the pandemic was rev you know, re devastating for the tourism industry. A lot of the hotels and resorts went out of business. God let us realize that there is an opportunity, an option, perhaps a possibility for us to find a haven, a safe haven in Thailand for our friends currently living in Burma. Now, while we were planning the trip, we were able to reach out to friends in Thailand and have an LLC opened uh, in Thailand. Now, we also had an opportunity to meet with an organization that has experience with operating in low-key manner in Burma. They really teach the Burmese to provide medical care and other relief to local people. And we know that it's the care and they have the ability to move people from one place to another. It was really a sweet time of sharing about search, 
um, and our goal to have a haven for everyone. We learned that there were plenty of um, options from empty land to an entire resort of up to 158 rooms. It was exciting, but honestly, it was also scary. And um, it was overwhelming. We went to the border at the river's edge to pray. We went every day. We went to pray for their safety. We went to pray that somehow God would find a way for us to see them. And it's been over two years since we've seen them in person. Um, that Friday, we had to head back to Chiang Mai because we were leaving back for the U.S. Monday. Saturday, we heard from Lek. They said, she said, we could see you. And so we didn't hesitate. We were in Chiang Mai, drove back eight hours, mountain up and down, winding road, for a chance to see them for a few minutes. And during that 30 minutes, about 30 minutes when we saw them, we, we gave virtual hugs, we prayed for each other, and they asked if we could sing if we could sing together. We sang, give thanks. Them singing from Burma and us singing from Thailand, separated by the river. It was certainly a sweet moment. Um, there were definitely tears on both sides. Our extended family live in a war-torn and COVID-filled country, in addition to the limited and expensive medical care. Now, while we went to Burma to find land, God brought us together in a way we just did not imagine. He brought people and organizations together to open a business, provide a way to, to find a safe place, and added other partnerships. For the three of us that went on the trip, it was a great reminder that we don't need to know God's plan. We only need to know to take the first step. So we continue to work with Search, the Thai business and other uh, organizations to support the Safe House residents in a whole new way. For each of you, we ask you to continue to pray for the peace and the safety of those in Burma. Additionally, if you want to follow Grow and search on Facebook, you can find out more about their organization there. And of course, lastly, we'd like to thank Pastor Dan um, for his uh, encouragement and for just allowing us the opportunity to share with you this morning. Thank you. Hello, Hillside. <clears throat> I don't know how to transition better than that. <laughs> I was thinking, we live in a world filled with hurt and pain and suffering, but we serve a God who is at work to produce good in his mysterious goodness. God works in his ways, and so even in hearing that report from Jim and Ron, I, I felt like there was the hint of good news coming from that. And uh, that's what we live for. That's our hope. That one day, Jesus will come and set all things right. And in the meantime, we just got to take the first step. So thank you for that. Uh, I do have some good news, though. Last week, we concluded our virtual Dominican Republic trip. And I have some numbers to give us. So Hillside... Our church family, let me fix my pocket here, okay. Our church family, we started the virtual mission trip to the DR. We had 19 kids that needed to be uh, taken over with compassion. Hillside, you took all 19 of those kids. So that's 19, yes. 
That is 19 children that are now sponsored because of people here at this church. It's so cool. The, the reach of Hillside is really worldwide. It, it's pretty amazing. We had a goal. Uh, our stepping on up goal was $20,000 to help Vision Celestial in their construction project to uh, build that second floor. Hillside, are you ready for this? We raised $20,177. Whoa! That's, that's incredible. It is so awesome. Now, if you still want to donate, you can. We can go above the 20000 We already did, so you can still donate. And if you want to, uh, you can write a check to Hillside. Make sure you put in the memo that it's for the Dominican Republic, and that will go to helping get them equipment and other stuff for the vocational center. And then last Sunday, after our services and the mission trip that we did, we had a lunch. And we had a hundred, let me make sure, 145 people attending the delicious Dominican Republic lunch. And let's give it up for Daniel and his band. They provided some awesome music. <clears throat> it was great. So what an awesome thing that we got to do last month. Thank you, Patty. For, I just see Patty right there, so I'm pointing you out. So thank you so much, Patty and Dame Carl and everyone setting that up, making it happen. And then let me put some other things on your radar. March 20th, uh, we here at Hillside, we say we want to be, we're, we're light in the world. March 20th, you're going to want to stick around after the 10 a.m. service. We are going to be gathering in, I believe, what's called the Light Lounge. Ooh. Out here, there's going to be coffee and snacks. Bless you. God bless you, Cameron. The Lord be with you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so on March 20th, I was also told to tell you, we're going to be out in the light lounge after the 10 a.m. service. You might also want to wear blue that day. Not because your spirit is feeling blue, but just to wear blue because that's what I, I was told to tell you that. So, okay. Also, where are all the men in this room? Let me get a hoo, 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 hoo. Okay. March 26th, Saturday, March 26th at, uh, what time is it? 8.30 a.m. Woo! That's early. But I'll be there. <laughs> We're doing a spring training breakfast with the men. Craig, are you going to be there? Today is a, yeah. <laughs> yes! I just see people in the crowd today and I'm going, hey, let me, let me. Point you out. Okay. March 26th, men's breakfast, spring training. So men, we're inviting you to wear a baseball cap. Get ready for some great food. I've heard that the legendary Jack LaSalle and his team are preparing the breakfast. So that's why I'm getting up at 8.30 in the morning, you know. <laughs> okay, I think that's it. We're going to move into our, uh, our, our time of offering and go into uh, more worship. And so if you consider Hillside your home church, we, we just appreciate that you're giving uh, not to Hillside, but through Hillside. If you're here visiting with us for the first time, your presence is gift enough, and you can give to Hillside, through Hillside, through the Hillside app. You can drop a check off out there. You can even text in uh, a, a tithe if you want to. And so I'm just going to pray for us as we move into this time of offering and continue in our worship. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, the perspective we get 
uh, especially, you know, hearing from Ron and Gemma, the, the perspective of what's going on in our world. Lord, sometimes it uh, takes some heartbreaking news for us to realize that there are bigger things happening in, in this world. There is so much pain and hurting and suffering. And God, in your mysterious goodness, you use us people here at Hillside Covenant Church to make a difference. And God, I pray that we would know that as we live our lives following you, walking with you, the actions that we take, the deeds that we make are not wasted for your kingdom. You are doing a work. And God, maybe that's giving our time and going and visiting people in another country. Maybe that's giving our time and we're investing in the next generation coming up. Maybe it's through our financial giving. God, you use our gifts from a full heart to do your work and advance your kingdom. And so, God, I just pray that you would fill our hearts and minds with the hope that our lives matter and that you want to use our lives to make a difference in this world. So God, as we give our gifts, as we continue in worship, we come to you with gratefulness, with humility, knowing that it is your strength and your power at work in us, at work in the world that does the transforming around us. So God, thank you for who you are, your grace, your love, your mercy, your power. When we are weak, you are strong. You're always at work. In your awesome, awesome name. Amen. Welcome there, I'm overcome at the feet. Of perfect love I am ushered in By your nail-scarred hands To the place where my chains come undone Magnificent, magnificent We crown you Lord of all Lamb upon the throne, magnificent, magnificent. Awake my soul to sing to him who died for me, magnificent. Now glorified See the grave Where death has died By his royal blood Christ has covered us Crown him Lord Crown him Lord of all He is Lord He is Lord Magnificent, 
He is magnificent, isn't he? The God we've been worshiping. Isn't it wonderful to be in the same room together too? Yeah. Why don't you stand up, look for your dear friend who, because that person has always attended the other service you haven't seen in 20 years, and say hello and give an elbow bump. Do that right now. Well, good morning again. I, I want to say I'm just overjoyed to see you. I'm Dan Seitz, senior pastor here at the church, in case you're new. Sorry to miss last week. We had COVID in the family. I managed to dodge it personally. Yeah, yeah. 
which, uh, which actually I attribute to the intense prayer of Pastor Floyd and Janet for me. So thank you so much. Anyway, the Sites are all feeling better. Thank you so much for your love and chicken soup and white bean chili, Anna. It really made a big difference. I will call attention to the shiner I have right here. People have asked me, uh, it was a wrestling match yesterday with one of the boys that went awry. Yes, yes. Notice Andrew has no marks on him at all. So anyway, uh, like I said, everyone is feeling much better, uh, and this is the proof. Uh, Last Sunday afternoon, while we were waiting out uh, COVID, one of us put on an old DVD that meant a lot to us in the past when uh, we were in a different stage of life, and the DVD was Curious George, which some of you will know. And if you've ever watched the TV series with William Macy, the guy from the movie Fargo as the narrator, strangely enough... Uh, You know how excellent these shows really are, and they're great for kids, but they're also chock full of humor for adults uh, to keep us all engaged and entertained. And Josh and Drew are now old enough to pick up on that humor, so it's fun for all of us. And one line that was really cracking us up last week was from Station House Monkey, and it's the episode where George inexplicably finds himself at the controls of the nerve center of a railroad. And when Flint, the station master, sees the man with the big yellow hat, he blurts out, why, you're the man with the big yellow hat. I've seen you up here, because you stick out. You stick out like a, uh, a big yellow thing sticking out. And uh, though Flint is obviously a good railroad man, his powers of expression are a little limited, uh, which the show uh, makes much of. In fact, just to entertain ourselves over the last few days, we have been talking like Flint. So it kind of sounds like this. Man, did you hear that guy's raspy cough? And Allison would say, yeah. And I'll say, yeah. The only thing I could compare it to would be like a deep, raspy, coughing-like thing. Um, So anyway, but... The episode that lives in infamy uh, for the Sitzes is one called George in the Dark. And that's because Allison and I made the fateful mistake long ago of showing that episode to the boys. uh, And it ended up causing the very thing that I think the writers were trying to neutralize, terror of the dark. Uh, We will never get those lost hours of sleep back. But to cut to the chase, what George experiences in that George in the Dark episode is a little like what we experience when we read the theme passage of our Lenten series, 2 Timothy 2.3, uh, a series called Strange Grace. And we discover when we read that passage that what seems a little scary in the dark actually looks inspiring. And even comforting in the light of the fuller context. Let me read this theme passage for you for the Lenten journey that we're going to be on over the next six weeks. Again, 2 Timothy 2.3. It says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Yikes! Let's hold on to our yellow hats. Because as we will see, this call that Paul gives to soldierly faith is actually an incredible 
opportunity. Let's read the fuller passage for the morning, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. Why don't you stand up as we read God's word and let it sink into our hearts. It goes this way. You then, my child, strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, here we have Paul writing to his beloved protege, Timothy. And like Peter Turry notes in the companion study that he prepared for this series, which is available to us in our home groups, Paul is in prison, but this time it's not the cushy house arrest situation that he's in at the very end of Acts. Here, he's chained, and he's in a Roman dungeon, and Paul is sure that his days are numbered. And with this letter to his friend Timothy, someone with whom he has shared so much, so many triumphs, so many trials, he gives Timothy his final instructions. And again, verse one, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice to begin how Paul refers to Timothy. He refers to him as my child. And Paul has used this affectionate language before with Timothy. Back in uh, his first letter, he refers to Timothy as my true child in the faith. And then in the opening to this letter, 2 Timothy, Paul calls Timothy my beloved child. Now, why point this out? Because, friends, each of us is God's beloved child. And in the same way that this whole letter was a message of grace from Paul to Timothy, so this entire letter, and this chapter in particular, is a message of grace from the triune God to each one of us even if it does lay down some straight fire challenges. In fact, Paul says as much. Look back at how Paul begins this letter in chapter one, verse two. He says, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, this chapter is challenging, but we got to keep in mind, it's all framed, it's all couched, it's all wrapped in God's grace and mercy and peace. And notice also how Paul emphasizes that this strengthening grace is in Christ Jesus, 
which means that it is readily available for Timothy because Paul understands believers to be in Christ, fused to him in a tender, mystical union. And what's more, as many of you know, Christ is a title. It means anointed, or more specifically, it means king. And here's a very interesting revelatory statistic about 2 Timothy. Paul refers to Jesus 13 times in 2 Timothy. But at no point does he ever refer to him simply as Jesus. Never. Rather, in every instance in 2 Timothy, Paul refers to Jesus Christ as Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus our Lord, and it's the exact same thing in 1 Timothy. You see, Paul understood Jesus, Jesus Christ, first and foremost, to be a king, the king of the whole world, the very world that God made through him, like Colossians 1.16 says, for by him all things were created. The king who creates in us whirling, trembling joy. You know, it must be horrifying to have flame-throwing tanks cross your border and come into your country and ravage it like the Ukrainians are experiencing right now. But how heartening to know that the true king of the world supreme over all the tyrants, the king who makes their power look puny by comparison, the king to whom one day every bully will bow, is our friend. And not only our friend, but the friend of all the needy, downtrodden, broken, bullied people everywhere. Over and over again, the Psalms celebrate the one true God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit God, as the God of the needy. Listen to this string of passages, Psalm 12, 5. Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. Psalm 69:33 For the Lord hears the needy he does not despise his own people who are prisoners Psalm 107:41 The Lord raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks Psalm 40:17 As for me I am poor and needy but the Lord takes thought for me And this God the creator God who actually sustains the heartbeat of the tyrants who are defying him. This God who will one day put down permanently the men of the earth who strike terror. In the words of Psalm 10:18, that God is our friend. And he's proved it by giving his precious son to reconcile us to him to die on the cross in our place. Moving on, verse two. Here Paul says that his young protege has an important job, and that job is to find people, qualified people, to whom he can entrust the story of Jesus. All that Jesus did and all that Jesus said, words and deeds that Paul emphasizes, many people can corroborate. 
And Paul believes that it's critical that this information about King Jesus, again, what he said, what he did, which many, many people can attest to, gets passed down accurately without getting hyped up or watered down. That's Timothy's task. That's his job. Verse 3. Here we get back to our George in the dark verse. But the verse that's hopefully already seeming less scary as we begin to read it in the light of context. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, for Paul to describe the Christian life to soldiering might surprise us, might kind of take us by surprise, all right? And accordingly, we might be tempted to write off this passage as sort of a rogue verse. But it's important to remember that this is actually not the only time that Paul has made this comparison. Twice, Paul refers to close associates, people he worked with really closely as fellow soldiers. 1 Corinthians 9-7, in a discussion about vocational ministry, Paul asks, who serves as a, shol- as a soldier at his own expense? And of course, as you know, in Ephesians, he instructs all of us believers to put on the whole armor of God. So what Paul is saying here in verse 3 about the Christian life requiring something like a soldierly spirit, it's not an outlier. Kind of fits with a lot of other things that the Bible says. Well, what are the implications? Paul tells Timothy in verse 4, listen to what he says. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And simply put, Paul's saying that soldierly faith requires resisting entanglements. And who knows what this might have meant for Timothy. Then in the next two verses, Paul fills out the picture by comparing the Christian life to both athletics and to farming, both occupations requiring grit and focus. All right? What then does this mean for us? How are we to understand the challenge of this Curious George passage? Does it mean that Jesus' followers like us should go out and seek suffering for its own sake? Does it mean that Jesus' followers like us should have no lives or no interests outside the church? Happily, no and no. Taking the first question first, let's think about it. Verse 3 cannot mean that we should seek suffering for its own sake because that's not what it meant for Timothy. Remember Paul's overarching point. Paul's overarching point is that Timothy stick to his calling through hell or high water. And we know this just by reading very carefully. What does Paul say immediately before our scary verse? Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Essentially, he says, stay true to what God has called you to do. Don't give up on it. Stay true to your sacred task. And then furthermore, verse 4, it's not a blanket statement about avoiding all non-spiritual pursuits as if bocce ball or bicycling or hiking or something were bad. No, not at all. Rather, it pertains to how Timothy pursues his particular calling. And what Paul is doing is he's telling Timothy to avoid getting tangled up in things that keep him from the specific task that the king has given him. 
Well, with that bush clearing behind us, let me propose the following. My fellow light bearers, for what these verses mean to us. I think it's simple but powerful. Let me try this out. As the grace-soaked, greatly loved friends of Jesus the King, we are to stick to our callings with joyful grit. Or to put it a little more simply, we are to go to the wall for our call. And additionally, to make that to-the-wall commitment possible, we are to sidestep like a bullfighter. Anything, regardless of how good it is in the abstract, that dulls the sharp edge of our effectiveness. Again, our effectiveness in that calling. And notice the specificity here. Soldierly faith does not mean courting suffering for its own sake, as if masochism were the goal. It means to-the-wall commitment to the specific thing that the king has called us to. And soldierly faith doesn't mean having no life outside the church. Of course not. Rather, it means cutting loose from anything that keeps us from our specific call within it. And Lent is a great time for experimenting, for for cutting out of our lives for 40 days anything that we think could be encumbering us specifically from what God has called us to do. And I cut out, I cut myself free from an entanglement for Lent. It's not a bad thing in and of itself, but I've kind of been wondering whether it's taking off my sharp edge. So I've thrown it overboard for 40 days. Now, I said this teaching presents an opportunity for us, okay, and that it may look scary in the dark, but when we analyze it really carefully and in context, we find something really inspiring and really comforting. And seeing that may be a little bit difficult, a little trickier for the people who are in the room today who are just investigating Christianity. Maybe your neighbor invited you to Hillside, and you're here today, you're not a Christian, Never thought you'd end up in church, but you're, you're finding yourself curious about who Jesus is and you're here to investigate. If that's you, we are so glad you're here. <laughs> this place is for you. So welcome. But particularly for you, if you're a spiritual investigator, a verse like this, our theme verse, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, even taking it in the very specific way that we have interpreted, it might seem to you to be a stretch and you might be thinking to yourself, you know, is sticking, through, sticking to a calling through hell or high water, is that really an opportunity? And an opportunity for what? I mean, is this really good news? And my answer to that question is yes. It is good news. And for a reason that we can all relate to. Take a minute to think back over your life. Think back about the moments that are your proudest, that are the ones now that mean the most to you as you look back. I'm going to tell you one of mine. For three months back in 1999, I spent six days a week 
12 to 14 hours a day studying. And it was a monkish season, to say the least, uh, living with my dad in his Capitola apartment. And hours, hours each day, I poured over a phone book-sized study guide with long chapters on torts and criminal law and property and constitutional law and evidence. And my only comfort for those three months was a pour-over cup of Steve Smooth's French from Aptos Coffee Roasting every single day. My only comfort. Aptos Coffee Roasting doesn't even exist anymore. That breaks my heart. But I had finished law school three years uh, before, and because of a job in ministry that was my dream job, director of Camp Hammer, uh, I packed up from law school, moved down to Boulder Creek and started my job at Camp Hammer, and I never took the bar. And after three years, though, I knew it was time to go, and this window of opportunity presented itself. I had a, a new job coming up as a youth pastor in Los Angeles, but I thought, you know, I should finish the law race. Put a lot of time into this, a lot of money into it. I know I want to be a pastor. I know I'm called to be a pastor, but maybe having a law license could be helpful. So instead of spending three months sitting on the beach and eating one cinnamon roll and schnecken from Gail's Bakery after another, I took the bar prep class and I read and studied until my eyes dripped blood, okay? And it was a slog, and not least of all because it had been three years since I had given any thought to the law at all. Well, as grueling as those three months were at the time, you will not be surprised to hear that they now rank among my most satisfying experiences because I passed. Though, thank you very much. But before you clap too much, I want to say this. If you do find yourself facing serious time from the Contra Costa County DA, call Dan Carl because I am rusty, to say the least, okay? But you understand the point. You know, if in your own past you ran a marathon or you paid your way through the Culinary Academy or you wrote a novel in November or you passed calculus after just about giving it up, or you finished rehab to get well from an eating disorder, you know this general wisdom principle, one that 10 seconds of pondering, like we talked about in the Dreamhouse series, will make clear. Our lives are not made up of the mountains we skirted. They are made up of the mountains we climbed. Our lives are not made up by the giants we have shied away from, but the giants we slayed. <laughs> and if that's true with a general life challenge, how much truer with the challenges that the one true king of the world places upon us. And that's why 2 Timothy chapter 2, even with its just Grab us by the collar character. And you'll see that through the course of this Lenten series. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's why it's grace. Strange grace for sure. But grace nonetheless because it positions us for taking on and sticking to the hard things that will prove to be our greatest joys. All right. What does this mean practically? Let me give you two ideas. First, it means we need to figure out our call, right? 
We got to figure out what has the king called us to do. If soldierly faith means going to the wall for our particular call, we need to ferret it out. Well, what is a call? What are we talking about when we talk about this? Listen to Frederick Beekner on this. He says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The intersection point between what you have, what God's given you, your skills, your experiences, your heartaches, and the needs of the world, your family, the community, the local school, Hillside Covenant Church, that intersection point. And there can be many intersection points over the course of a life. But to figure out those intersection points and to figure out what the king's unique call for us is at that moment of time, we got to be with other people. We have to be deeply connected with other people. We need to do what Keon urged us all to do last week in his wisdom story. We need to enter the circle of wisdom. And we need to talk with our spiritual friends about who we are How we understand God having gifted us, what our heartaches are and experiences have been, and then what the kingdom opportunities are all around us, in the family, in the neighborhood, in the school, in the church, and beyond. And then we let those friends speak back to us to tell us what they think. And that's just another reason why all Jesus followers need traveling partners, why all Jesus followers need a pack, a platoon, a band, a birdhouse. Whether we are 11 years old, junior high age, or whether we're 111, we don't do this alone. And we can find them all over Hillside. Home groups, Oasis table groups, the well table groups, Kairos discussion groups, Wednesday morning men's group. If you need one, we'll make one for you. Timothy's calling was specific. It was find people to whom he could entrust the treasure box of Jesus' words and deeds. And Paul's job was to help him stay true to it. And similarly, we need our own Pauls to help us stay true to the unique call the king has placed on our lives or for that season of our lives. And you know where we find them? We find them in groups. We find them with other believers. You see, without an identifiable calling— Without knowing what it is that God has called us to do, we won't know what to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ for. We won't know what to go to the wall for. Again, we share in suffering. We go to the wall for our calls, not for every good thing that can be done. After all, we're limited, aren't we? We can't do everything. But what God has called us to do We go to the wall for. What's the second practical application? We need to get serious about fun. And that's because without rest and refreshment and excursions and fun, we just can't stay energized for our callings. That, you see, is the logic of the Christian Sabbath. It's rest and delight and refreshment so that we will have the energy to stick with our calls with joyful grit. We can't live loyally and soldierly and sanely, right, before our king as his ambassadors of peace 
and beauty and relationship and the truth, if we don't have, like a good soldier, leave on the calendar, right? If we don't have bike rides and coffee dates and art lessons and dinner parties on the calendar, if we don't make time for a family movie night to watch something beautiful and inspiring and creative with our friends, like the movie Turning Red, which I am excited to watch when it comes out at the end of this month, a beautiful work of creativity that a hillsider played a role in. (laughs) Watch the credits. You see, an indispensable part of soldierly faith is, surprisingly, getting the fun we need to be refreshed for the next mission. Before we turn to our meal, this is critical to say, you know, for some of us at this moment, soldierly faith might simply mean staying upright, emotionally, physically, psychologically. That may be it. That alone may be God's call on us. You know, Allison urged this on me last week, and hers was the voice of wisdom. Some of us are so burdened by the challenges of the moment of various kinds that God's call is simply to seek healing and balance and renewal and to lean on others for it. It's not to take on any new giants, or if it is, that giant is the very basic one of personal restoration. That'll be some of us. It's to let the great king, who is also the great physician, heal us and nourish us over two very traumatic years that we've been through. However, For others of us, soldierly faith will mean taking on something big, something new, something to advance God's kingdom, and specifically our light-bearing mission right here at Hillside. Something we'll stick to. Something we'll go to the wall for, even if it hurts. We saved one verse till the end. Look at verse seven again. Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Isn't that interesting? You know, comparing the Christian life to being a soldier, to being an athlete, to being a farmer, it's not that complicated conceptually, right? Not that hard to understand. And yet Paul says, think over what I am saying. And I think Paul's concern here is not that Timothy won't understand what Paul has said intellectually. I think Paul is concerned that Timothy won't let it sink in. And of course, we run the same risk, don't we? So let's take some time to let it sink in because we want to be hearers and doers, don't we? Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, And let's do some listening together. Let's all ask King Jesus this question. This king who is so powerful. And this king who's right here with us. Let's ask him this question. Great king, dear friend, 
What is your specific call on me right now? Timothy's was to entrust the story of Jesus to faithful people. Let's ask King Jesus what ours is right now. Take a few moments of silence and then write down any way you sense the Holy Spirit leading you. Let's now ask King Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit who's with us, inside us, with us collectively. Let's ask this second question. What might I eliminate from my routine for the next 40 days to help me pursue that call with greater focus? Could be something big, could be something very small. But let's take a few seconds just to listen. What could he be saying? Lastly, let's all ask the King in the power of the Spirit who's operating right now in us and among us, a third critical question, what rest and refreshment, what excursions, what fun do I need to put in my calendar to stay energized for that specific call? Ask Jesus that question. What, what, be sensitive to how he might respond. Father, we recognize who we are, your beloved children, ones who you won back to you through the infinite gift of your Son, and we know we now have a, just a little window of time for soldierly faith because before long, your son, our king, is going to ride in and the time for soldierly faith will be over. Happily giving way to a brand new time full of wonders we can't even imagine. But help us in this moment to seize it. Help us to know what you've called us to do in our families, our middle schools, our communities, our church. Give us your sense and then give us the strength and grace 
to go to the wall for that call, for that call, trusting that you'll handle everything else because we're just human. We pray this meal would be a time when your strength comes to us, when we experience the strength of your son, and we know it will be as well. Thanks for providing it for us now. Pray this in the name of Jesus, the true King. Amen. Sister Christine and I are going to serve communion. This is the Lord's table. Jesus, the King, the bread of life, according to the Apostle John, he invites all of us who have trusted in him, who know him as Lord and Savior, to enjoy this feast. And we, his children by faith, are welcome to come. We are welcome to eat this, to throw ourselves before him, to be strengthened by him, nourished, have our burdens lifted. Let's take a minute to be silent before him, seeing him in our mind's eye as our dear father and our loving host. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please join me in praying. Lord Jesus, our purifying king, to you we give our praise and honor shedding your blood and allowing your body to be broken for death for our sake so that we may have the forgiveness of sins, inclusion into your beloved family and everlasting life. Bless, O oh God, this bread which we eat together and this cup which we drink together. Let us through this blessed bread and cup become partakers of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you join me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is the body of Christ broken for us. Let's eat together. This is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together.
Eternal Father, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of our Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Thanks for strength, the strength that you have given us and grant us ever deeper capacity to feel it surging through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's celebrate in song.
Now, driving through the neighborhood today as I was coming up to Hillside, uh, maybe you noticed it too, a couple of cardboard signs, handwritten, that said, free lemonade between 1 and 2 p.m. today. Donations will go to Ukraine. And I think um, that was just a good expression of how that country is on our hearts right now. And we are um, devastated and sad as we watch you know, the news just brings it right to, right to us. <clears throat> so please continue praying for that country and for the protection of the people. Um, I know most people want to find out some way to help. And I want you all to be aware of a wonderful organization that's part of the covenant. And it's called, uh, it's called the Covenant World Relief. <clears throat> and through donations from um, covenanters all around uh, the country and worldwide, they respond quickly and efficiently to disasters and crises that happen in the U.S. or worldwide. It's a fabulous organization. They partner with local churches and organizations, so what they do, they get in there quick. The aid is efficient, and they um, they find a remarkable speed in bringing help to those who need it. And their homepage right now is all about the Ukraine. <clears throat> so if you want to help I, and want to use and go through the Covenant World Relief Organization, you can go to their website. It's covchurch.org slash CWR. And I'll say that again, covchurch.org slash CWR. And even beyond this crisis, um, it's just a wonderful organization to feel like you are there in wherever there's um, something going on in the world, you know that, that you're helping there in some way. And our prayer team is here today, Janet and Floyd, and we also have two prayer team members in the back of the church, so um, you can go in any one of those four places. And so thank you. And now here is our benediction. May God fill you with peace and joy. And go now and live in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of our King, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.